With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Good afternoon, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Wesley Euler with you here. It's hour number two of the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and the gold. Yins already know the drill. Good hair. Without the decade of NFL experience for the week, you know where to get involved. It's at Wesley Euler on Twitter, on X, if you want to get at me. Got some more tweets to get to. We will before we close out this hour of the show. As always, I'm having some fun so far today. We had a good good locker room show with Max and Wolf this morning. That always starts the day off well, rolling along here into the Steelers Blitz. Uh, we are in mid-season form on Steelers Nation Radio, baby. And you got to love it. And speaking of midseason, you see what I did there? Yeah. Transition game on point. It is about that point in the NFL schedule, right? Uh, nine weeks into the year, looking ahead to uh, to week 10 now that there's 18 weeks in the season. It's weird because you can't split your team's results into quarters anymore with the 16 games. But what's nice about it is you do have a true halfway point of the season as well, too, now that there are 18 weeks in the NFL season, odd number of games now, but even number of weeks with every team getting a bye week, of course, as well, too. So this is about the time where you do some midseason awards. Sometimes we do it a week earlier, a week later, depending on if the Steelers have the bye week. But with uh, them playing this past Thursday and a little bit slower of a buildup before we fully turn the page to the Packers tomorrow and, of course, on Friday, I thought I'd give a little of my take, my opinion on some NFL mid season awards and we will do that right now let's start with the bosses let's start with the sideline sergeants i like that sideline sergeants might roll with that going forward coach of the year in the nfl um i think there's a couple people that deserve to be in this conversation um you know Nick Sirianni deserves to be in this conversation. His team's 8-1 and one and has the best record in football, and, and when you're always playing like that and winning like that, you deserve to be in the conversation. Dan Campbell deserves to be in the conversation, right? Um, we all we all know what the, what the Lions have been historically over the last few decades particularly and how he, you know, has – has really stabilized that ship, and it started last year and got them playing great football down the stretch and has carried into this season where they're now at a comfortable 6-2 and two in first place in their division. Dan Campbell deserves to be in this conversation for sure. Mike Tomlin, I know that drives some people crazy, but he deserves to be in the conversation. You know, he's you look at it statistically, we've run through all the numbers, right, where the Steelers' offense is. 
<laughs> bottom of the league, where Kenny Pickett's numbers are, bottom of the league, where the run game numbers are, averaging less than four yards per carry. You know, the defense, for as great and as opportunistic as they can be at times for the Steelers, they're not a top 10 scoring defense in the NFL. They hemorrhage a lot of yards as well, too, towards the, towards the, you know, the, the bottom half of the table in that regard. Now, we also know statistically where they've really shined, right? Particularly in the in the turnover margin. Uh, but, man, they, they, they've been outscored. They've been out, out yardaged, right? All these different things. All these stats that we know, and despite that, uh, still at 5-3. and three, Mike Tomlin has never won Coach of the Year. He's doing it again this, this season where he's had to, you know, navigate some very key injuries as well, too. Cam Hayward missing a bunch of time. Minka Fitzpatrick now. Deontay Johnson missing a handful of games. Mike Tomlin deserves to be in this conversation. I know that that makes some people crazy, but he does. But to me, the if I were casting a vote, if I were a sports writer, my answer is D'Amico Ryans. I mean, you, you want to talk about navigating uh, some turbulence. You know, I think it's same church, different pew is, is what Dan, Dan Campbell has done. That's another organization in Houston. Hasn't had a lot of success. Had a lot of noise, a lot of distractions off the field, certainly in the last couple years with Deshaun Watson, right? They've churned through coaches like crazy. Uh, Levy Smith not getting much of an opportunity there. Then they turned to D'Amico Ryans. It's, that's been an organization without a lot of stability, with a lot of different head coaches, a lot of different GMs, a lot of different philosophies. It can be very hard to take over an organization like that. There's some Cleveland Browns. It's one of the things that I give uh, Stefanski credit for. Is that, you know, they, the, the Cleveland Browns organization, when you go, this is something that Matt Williamson talks about a lot. Um, it, you know, when you go through different head coaches and different GMs every year, every two years, that's, that's tough for the next person that, because you have so many different people, so many different players in the organization that were drafted for different philosophies, for different roles, for different. One coach wants to play a 4 3. The next wants to play a 3 4. One wants to play a more traditional offense. The next wants to spread you out and throw the ball. And you've got all these conflicting personalities, all these conflicting philosophies within the organization in terms of how all the different coaches wanted to build that thing. That's certainly true for the Lions. That's certainly th- true for the Texans as well, too. I think what D'Amico Ryans has done with a rookie quarterback, with a beat-up ragtag offensive line, with with guys on offense at skill positions that the majority of NFL fans around the league couldn't name or couldn't tell you who they are, and a, a, a young defense and a reworked defense as well, too, for that team to now be 4-4 four and four and be right in the thick of a playoff spot. I know it's it's it feels like for the coach of the year thing, we always do the okay, who had the lowest expectations and exceeded them, right? You don't do you don't give it as much to the Nick Sirianni who has his team at eight and one and the best record in the NFL. You look more at people like Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryan's and you go, oh man, like that team was really bad and now they're pretty good. Well, that guy's got to be coach of the year. And I, for me, I do always fall on that side. But I nobody expected the Texans to be at 500 and to be in the thick of a of a playoff hunt right now. If you did, you're lying to yourself. Nobody expected them to have this much hope and optimism eight games into an entirely new regime with a brand new coaching staff, with a brand new GM, with a brand new quarterback, brand new coordinators. D'Amico Ryans gets my vote. Like I said, a lot of people that deserve a shout in this, but D'Amico Ryans for me gets my vote. Now, 
after this, it's funny. That one I thought about. You know, the, the coach of the year to me is a real open conversation where you could argue three, four, five different people. After this, I don't know if it's that difficult for me, if we're being honest. After this, not a lot of uh, not a lot of wiggle room, I think, in some of these debates. So let's go offensive player of the, the year next. Um, or sorry, pardon me, offensive rookie of the year next. We'll start with the rookies. Uh, this one's C.J. Stroud. Duh. I mean, are you kidding me? He's accounted for 18 touchdowns and had just one interception. 14 touchdown passes, one interception. Some rushing touchdowns as well, too. And like I told you, if you think he's got a bunch of great, talented skill position players around him, none of you can name any of them coming into the season. It's incredible what C.J. Stroud has done. Um, There's really no other explanation or, or, or anything needed than C.J. Stroud as your offensive rookie of the year. Yes, sure, Puka Nakua has been great. Yes, B. John Robinson has been great. Those guys ain't C.J. Stroud. <laughs> those guys don't have the responsibility of C.J. Stroud. And those guys don't just have the insane rookie number of four touchdown passes and one interception. There's not much a running back or a wide receiver, to be fair. These awards are always slanted more towards the quarterbacks uh, could do that, that lines up with that. I mean... He's throwing to a bunch of rookies. He's playing with a bunch of young guys with an offensive line that, you know, I, I know Laramie Tunsil is a stud and is a household name, but he was bang, been banged up for most of the season. C.J. Stroud, offensive rookie of the year. In my mind, without a doubt, it's not even really worth a debate. And same with defensive rookie of the year, too, honestly. It's Devin Witherspoon, the defensive back from the Seahawks, uh, the first-round pick. And, man, have they really hit on some – uh, between him and Tariq Woolen in the past couple years of the Seahawks really hit on some DBs. Um, uh, he's he's sick. He's, he's, he's doing a lot what Sauce Gardner did last year. He's doing a lot what Pat Sertain did a couple years ago, just coming in as a rookie and looking like a bona fide superstar shutdown guy right away. Um, you know, I mean, he even last week when they're getting blown out by the Ravens, he's making plays in the secondary yeah, Jalen Carter deserves a shout. He's having a great season for uh, for the Eagles. Yeah, I think By- a guy like Byron Young deserves a shout. We saw him a few weeks ago. He's been really solid for the Rams, but this is another, to me, no-brainer. It's Devin Witherspoon. Your, your rookies of the year so far in C.J. Stroud and in Devin Witherspoon, I feel like those are is, is about as close to layups as you can get at this point. Now, there's still a lot of football to be played. Things could certainly change, but for me, it, it, it's those two, and it's not much of a conversation. Defensive player of the year. Now, this one is at least a conversation. Okay? It is. But the answer is TJ Watt. You're hearing a lot of Miles Garrett, and that's just the sexy thing to do now because TJ Watt's gotten his award, and Nick Bosa's gotten his award, and now it feels like it's Miles Garrett's time. You know, TJ had to wait for his time, and, and you know, Aaron Donald, I think, got an extra defensive player of the year award there when it when you could certainly argue that it should have been TJ. And yeah, TJ's got to wait his time. Okay, Nick Bosa's got to wait his time. And we know Miles Garrett. He's a darling to a lot of the media. It, it, they all want it to be his time. They're all pushing that. It's not just pro football focus. And I do think he's going to win the award because, again, unless TJ does something ludicrous like break his sack record that he currently holds with Michael Strahan, which I guess is certainly possible, if all things are equal, 
at least statistically, right? They're going to give it to Miles Garrett this year. They just are. Well, his pass rush win rate. Oh, well, you know, he rushes a lot less than TJ Watt, and he rushes less than Micah Parsons, and he rushes less than Max Crosby. Okay. He doesn't impact the game like TJ does. I mean, just point blank, period. There's nobody that impacts a game like TJ does. There's nobody that you can draw a direct correlation to their team scoring more points than TJ does. I mean, he's scored touchdowns on scoop sixes. He's set up touchdowns on forced fumbles. He's set up touchdowns on taking the ball back to the six-yard line on an interception against the Rams. When Miles Garrett starts doing that, let me know. Miles Garrett's a phenomenal football player. Micah Parsons, Max Crosby. I mean, these, these, these guys are great. Miles Garrett is great. Don't get me wrong. But nobody has an effect on their overall team's ability to win like T.J. Watt does. Just look at the win-loss record from when he plays and when he doesn't. And if you think the, st- the Browns might still be 5-3 and three this year without Miles Garrett. Heck, their secondary's playing at an elite level. Zadarius Smith's been playing at an elite level. Uh, their offense is continuing to have success despite the, fa- despite the fact that they've lost both their tackles, Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson hasn't played very well. They might still be five and three or four and four Cleveland without Miles Garrett. The Steelers would have one or two wins without TJ Watt. You ain't gotta like it, but accept it. And that's just the facts, brother. And obviously I yeah, okay, I'm a little biased. <laughs> and again, Miles Garrett's a great player. But no one affects a game like TJ Watt does. Not Miles Garrett, not Max Crosby, not Micah Parsons, not Nick Bosa. Trent, Jordan, Watt, Defensive Player of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year, too. Again, it's a debate. Christian McCaffrey has been outstanding. It's unreal how much he means. He's kind of, I think, the T.J. Watt equivalent in a lot of ways for the Niners. They can, you know, they've got a lot of injuries right now, which has been part of their problem. They can survive maybe having just Debo out or maybe just Trent. Trent Williams out. When they're both out, they're in trouble. When Christian McCaffrey's banged up at the same time, they're in a lot of trouble. But Brandon Ayuk, I mean, George Kittle, we know they've got talent all over that offense. But make no mistake about it, Christian McCaffrey is the straw that stirs the drink. He's been a little banged up the last couple weeks, He's and they're coming off their bye. He still leads the league in yards. He's got almost 1,000 yards from scrimmage already halfway through the season. It's insane. He's got 13 touchdowns already halfway through the season. Insane. Uh, he deserves to be in this conversation. A.J. Brown deserves to be in this conversation. The wide receiver for the Eagles. It's absolutely killing it this year. Uh, but I, I think the simple answer still at this point is Tyreek Hill. I mean, he's played nine games, and his numbers look like he's played a full season. He's got over 1,000 yards. He's got eight touchdowns. Uh, and he's still got half the season to go. It's ridiculous. His his yards per catch is insane. And he's doing this all, too, without a ton of targets as well, too. He's got less than 100 targets on the year. It has over 1,000 yards. 74 catches. Sorry, 69 catches. Nice. Uh, uh, Tyreek Hill is just sensational. He's dynamic. He... He takes a four-yard reception and turns it into a 40-yard gain like few other people that we've seen in NFL history. And so while some people are in the conversation, without a doubt, uh, to me, 
the a lot of these are pretty easy. Offensive player of the year right now is Tyreek Hill. Now, this one's difficult. MVP. We'll save the biggest debate for last, right? Coach of the year, I think, is difficult. MVP is really difficult. The rest right now, yeah, okay, defensive player of the year is a real conversation. The rookies on offense and defense I don't think are. I think Tyreek Hill is comfortably your offensive player of the year. But MVP is really get where it really gets juicy, where it really gets intriguing. Because, I mean, you, you've got guys that should be, at least in theory, in the conversation, like your two attack of Violas, like your Trevor Lawrence's, like your Joe Burrow's. Like a guy like Justin Herbert might play his way into the conversation now. Chargers looking a little bit better. Patrick Mahomes, right, feels like he's always in this conversation. Jalen Hurts now perennially feels like he's in this conversation. Folks, I hate to be that guy, though. My vote would go to Lamar Jackson. And I know we always have to make this we always have to make this clear for Steelers fans. The Lamar that you see when you watch him twice a year play the Steelers is not the Lamar that the other 30 teams in the NFL see. That should make you proud as a Steelers fan. That should give you hope as a Steelers fan if you have to see Baltimore in the playoffs, which there's a really good chance that that could happen. But trust you me, if you watch other games around the NFL, when Lamar Jackson suits up about anybody else other than the black and gold, suits up against anybody else other than the Steelers' defense, it's a joke, man. Like, his completion percentage is nearly 72%. That's wild. I mean, he's just picking defenses apart. His QBR is second best in the league. He, he's, his, his, uh, his numbers when throwing downfield, right, 20 or more yards in the air or at the top in the league. He's running for 50 yards a game as well, too. I mean, he's got a 3-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio right now. He's also had five rushing touchdowns on the season. Nobody means more to their offense and I think to their team than Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league. I don't think he's the best player in the league. But it's not most outstanding player. It's MVP. And look at the all you have to do is look at the Ravens season by season, their record over the last five years when Lamar plays and when he doesn't. When he plays, they win double-digit games. They often win the division title. They go to the playoffs. And I know they've only won one playoff game under him. I get that. But they're always there when he's healthy. When he's not healthy, they're not there. They're never there. They struggle to be even 500, like we saw last season. In the truest sense of most valuable player, that it's Lamar. I mean, he he means so much to his team. So does Jalen Hurts. So does Patrick Mahomes. So do a lot of these quarterbacks. But the Ravens are 7-2. and two. The Ravens are looking like a contender once again after not being that at all last season. What's the common denominator there? Lamar's availability. He's got to stay healthy down the stretch. But if he does, I think the Ravens are going to be right there with the Chiefs in terms of competing for, for that top seed in the AFC, as much as I hate to say it. And I, I think he's going to win what would be the second MVP of his career. You don't like it. I don't like it. But, folks, Lamar Jackson's having himself a heck of a season. And, again, I know. It, it, I, I'm sure I'm going to get an angry tweet or two about this. We always do. Anytime we talk about Lamar on this show, oh, you know, he stinks. He's just a running back. He gets hurt all the time. 
go watch him play against the other 30 teams in the NFL, not name the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then be happy that the Steelers have figured him out in that way that nobody else in the league can and have hope that you're going to have to do that again if you see him in the postseason. So there's my thoughts on some midseason awards. You know where to get at me. Let me know what you think. You agree. You disagree. You got your uh, opinions. I'll take them. We'll get to them. We'll discuss that and more when we return on the other side. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Blitzing on a Wednesday. And I always ask, and you all deliver. You know, I never know. It's always a mixed bag what the participation is going to be like. Now, I'll give you guys this. In season, you're pretty darn consistent. I mean, we get we get a, a couple dozen tweets about every single show in season, uh, particularly on Fridays, right, when we're doing the previews and the predictions. I mean, we get so many tweets sometimes. We got to adjust our schedule to give us five extra minutes in the last segment so we can read them all and get your predictions in there. I love it. But I, I still like to be safe. You know, I don't always want to depend on it because some days are different from others and the participation's a little bit lighter and then all of a sudden you feel like you're scrambling for topics or something to fill time. Well, today you folks have brought it as always. So what do you say? We'll, we'll just extend a little. You know, time's yours. We usually do it at the end of the hours to get to some of your reaction. But today you guys have uh, have been involved. You've been participating. So let's get to it a little bit early. Let's do a little bit more. Time's yours. Time's yours. Gotta love it. Big Ron tweets and says, what are your thoughts on trying Nick Herbig out at middle linebacker uh, just to help out in replacing Cole Holcomb? Also, who's your all-time favorite non-stealer to play in the NFL? Ooh, Big Ron, two two good questions. So the Nick Herbig thing, this is something that uh, you're not the first to ask this. You're not the first to discuss this. Uh, Bob Labriola, I know, talked about this and asked and answered this week. I believe uh, Dale Lawley and Matt Williamson discussed this on the drive. Uh, either yesterday or Monday as well, too. In theory, I don't hate the idea of his skill set translating to that position, but right now Nick Herbig is a rookie who's starting to figure it out at edge rusher. You know, he got his first sack a couple weeks ago. You're trusting him a little bit more. You're putting a little bit more on his plate. You can't just all of a sudden move him to a different position. If he's a veteran this year it's you know if he's a if he's a fourth year veteran who's been in your defense for a while and has a full grasp of everything maybe it's a different conversation but he's a rookie one who's really starting to get his feet wet one who's been uh, is still at an important position of depth for you at a position that you like to rotate to keep TJ and Alex fresh i just i, I think you're 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 move, you have too many moving parts at that point it's like a lot of times, you know, Moats and I will chuckle when, well, why don't we move this offensive lineman here and this one there? And it, sometimes doing less is more. Sometimes doing less is enough. And and Nick Herbig is clearly a guy that they see as a talented edge rusher, one who can be a quality option with TJ and with with Alex, and that means a lot to this this defense. 
uh, and you just don't want to have a rookie switching positions midseason as well, too. That would be asking a lot of Nick Herbig. My all-time favorite non-stealer to play in the NFL. That's tough. Okay, so you always go with your gut reactions on these things, right? And I'll the the, the first names that well, okay, so when I was a kid, I really liked the Denver Broncos too. I've confessed this before in, in the history of this show, maybe two or three times, but remember I tell everybody the story. I went to the ninety seven AFC championship game with my grandpa at Three Rivers Stadium. I was wearing a Steelers winter jacket, a starter Steelers winter jacket, you know, because I was nineties fresh, baby, with a John Elway jersey underneath. All right, the Steelers jacket was on top, okay, but the John Elway jersey was underneath. I was eight years old, all right? Don't don't be too hard on me. I was eight. And then after the game was over and the Broncos won, remember I said I started to unzip my jacket, and my grandpa was like, oh, hell no, we ain't doing that. Zip your jacket back up, shut your mouth, don't say anything until we get to the car. I ain't about to have a bunch of yinzers fight my eight-year-old grandson. So John Elway is is a, a a reasonable answer. Terrell Davis as well, too. I can't tell you why. I'm sure you remember being that age, seven, eight, nine years old, and certain things in sports just grab your attention. I, I liked the Broncos, too, for whatever reason. Sue me. They were fun to watch. I don't know what to tell you. Ed McCaffrey, Rod Smith, Steve Atwater, Bill Romanowski, Mike Shanahan. Um, so John Elway and Terrell Davis from like my childhood. And then in, you know, as I got older, you guys know, I, I all love Randy Moss. I mean, he's, he was, he was born and raised not far from where my mom was born and raised in West Virginia. I just thought he was hilarious. I thought he was a unicorn. I mean, he was the size of a, he was, he was huge, but moved like a deer, like could sprint like a deer but move like, I mean, he had the speed of a, of a track star at his side. Randy Moss was just ridiculous. He was an alien. Uh, Patrick Willis, another one as well, too. You guys know I, I really like linebackers. Patrick Willis, a big one. I was a big fan of his. Those are kind of the first ones that came to mind. John Elway and Terrell Davis from when I was a kid. Randy Moss and, and Patrick Willis from, from adulthood. I See, this is one of those that I think I can't admit, too. Honestly, probably Ed Reed as well. I just... I just loved watching Ed Reed. And as much as we can all hate Ray Lewis, I don't think many of us hated Ed Reed, right? I think he was kind of like a Troy Polamalu. Like, you might hate that guy because he plays for the team that you don't like, but I think we could all, I mean, he was he was just electric. Sean Taylor was too. Now I'm just, now you just got me in my feels over here, Big Ron. But the right, the right answer was John Elway, Terrell Davis, and then Randy Moss, Patrick Willis, in terms of my favorite non-Steelers to play in the National Football League. Steeler fan Hawaii tweets and says, Aloha, Wes. Um, can you talk about player fine consistency? Can the fine amount or chart uh, be made public knowledge? Eliminate the guessing by having clear justification. So everything for those fines, uh, Steeler fan Hawaii, is done in the CBAs. So there's no wiggle room. There's no if ands, or buts. There's no... I mean, it's certain things can be appealed now, right, obviously, but it's not a certain percentage of your salary. Um, that's where I think these things should go. It's just if you commit this fine, you get fined this much. And then if you're a repeat offender, it escalates like this. You know, if you if you – it's the same thing as if you fail a drug test, you know, your first time you miss four games, and then your second time you miss the whole season, whatever that, you know, escalating scale is – 
it's kind of the same thing with the fines, which to me I think is bogus because it should be based off of your game check because when Jalen Warren, for example, maybe that's where these, this question is coming from, uh, Steeler fan Hawaii, when Jalen Warren gets fined, if, if, if you know he's, he's getting fined his whole game check, essentially. Whereas if someone who's going out there and making $20 million a year is doing the same thing, they're getting fined the same amount as Jalen Warren. So I know these things are all collectively bargained. There's unions that represent and argue and, 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 and go through all these things, and we all know it's caused many lockouts in the NFL before. It's caused long lockouts in sports like hockey and baseball and basketball before. Um, but it's, it's, it's all through the CBA. I do believe it's out there as public knowledge if you want the exact amount per infraction, per incident, all those different things. But to me, it, it, it should be out of a percentage of, of your – like Jalen Warren shouldn't be losing full game checks. He just he just shouldn't. What I mean, whatever the whatever the the fine is, nothing that you could be doing out there, aside of something that is you know clearly incredibly malicious, like maybe taking your helmet off and swinging it at somebody. <clears throat> Miles Garrett, <clears throat> uh, you you shouldn't be fined your entire game check and going out there and playing a sport like football, where you, I mean your 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 health is on the line every single play, and you're forfeiting your game check because because of one play, because of one call. That isn't right to me. It should be a certain percentage and things like that. Absolutely. But, you know, if you're an NHL player and you go out there and you swing your stick at somebody and you hit them in the head and you make $10 million a year, you should get fined more than the guy who makes $2 million a year. That's how you really hurt those guys because to some of these guys, you know, 50 grand to Jalen Warren is a lot. That's his game check for the most part. 50 grand to... Joe Burrow is nothing. That's butt wipe money. That's where I think it, you, you, you got to, you know, that's where I come down. But again, these things are collectively bargained. The, the NFLPA is is a huge part of these uh, conversations. So if the players want to change that, that's something that they kind of uh, have the power and, and know the timeline to do on their own. Okay, more tweets to get to. We'll close down with those. I promise we'll uh, get to your final thoughts here. Questions, concerns, reactions. As we close down the show on the other side, it's been fun. We'll have some fun in our final segment. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Final segment, closing down with your questions, comments, concerns, reactions on Twitter, on X, at Wesley Euler is where you get involved. Rocking the Truck tweets, able to listen live today for the first time in a while, was wondering, could the Steelers renegotiate Warren's contract so he can make some money for playing without penalty, uh, for playing without penalty to the Steelers? That's a good question, Rock. I, I don't know exactly what the confines on that are in the season. I, I think without penalty to the Steelers, but traditionally the Steelers do not re- renegotiate contracts or negotiate contracts in season. They're also, it's kind of just the harsh reality of the business, right? But the Steelers are a business and not a charity. Um, they're not just in the process of feeling bad for somebody and giving them more money, as you know, as, as, as most businesses around uh, sports and life in general are not. But I don't know if maybe there's some other ways that they help him out in that regard. Um, maybe they add some bonuses that they think he can manage to get to make a little extra money. 
Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some collection amongst his teammates. Maybe they need somebody for a paid appearance, and they say, hey, Jalen, you want to do this quick thing over here, and you can you can make a little extra money doing it? Uh, I don't know. But again, I also know that just the reality of the situation with those things, while it might not be fair in a lot of senses, the Steelers, the National Football League, it's a, it's a business, not a charity. Trey tweets, and says, what do the Steelers need to do to find their offensive identity? Or is it, or is fourth quarter football just their thing? What needs to happen for them to get to the next level of play? Also, what's your favorite kind of pizza and from where? Thanks. Steelers need to find their identity. They need to continue to run the football and get the performance like they have from their offensive line over the last two weeks. Point blank period. When they do that, there'll be more play action opportunities for Kenny where he excels. They'll be more open for, for Deontay and for George Pickens and hopefully soon for Pat, Pat Fryermuth when he gets back and Calvin Austin and Allen Robinson and Connor Hayward and everybody. But if they can run the football, particularly like they did against Tennessee, that's the recipe. They've completely reworked that offensive line over the last two offseasons for a reason. Their biggest free agency signings over the last two years have been offensive linemen. Their first-round pick, who they traded up to go and get this year in the draft, was an offensive lineman. We heard over the last two off-seasons, about running the ball and stopping the run. That's that's where the Steelers, they, they have both with their words and with their actions, have, have, have told you that they want to be a team that can control the trenches and run the football. That's where it starts for this offense. And it's not a coincidence that they did that much better down the stretch last year, and that's a big part of the reason why the Steelers finished 7-2. and two. Yeah, they had a favorable schedule. Yeah, they had some big moments from Kenny Pickett, his rookie season in the end of games, but they also ran the ball better than they did the entire season, and that was a huge part of it. And if they're going to make it so that fourth quarter football isn't their thing, maybe they'll get to the fourth quarter and have a comfortable lead. Maybe Could you imagine, Trey, a 10, 13, 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, what that would feel like? Woo! I'm just getting excited thinking about it. It's, it. It starts with the line of scrimmage in the run game. There's a trickle-down effect for everybody else. Makes life easier on Kenny, opens up the offense, more opportunities for GP and Deontay in that process as well, too. That's the most realistic solution to seeing a noticeable, uh, a sizable step forward the rest of the season. Favorite kind of pizza and from where? My favorite kind of pizza, you know what? It's funny. I am, like, I do just love a good cheese pizza. Just a good cheese pizza is tough to beat, but I'm a pepperoni guy, I'm a sausage guy as well, too. Um, I like banana peppers. Any combination of those toppings, I am down with. You know all the 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 big places in 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 the Pittsburgh area. I mean, everyone knows them, right? We talk about them all the time. We get questions about them all the time. Minio's, Fiori's, Slice on Broadway, Rockaway, all these different options, right? Uh, the two for me, low key, that are my spots, are Adrian's and Luciano's. All right, those are my Johns. Those are my establishments, that's where you can find me, getting some combination of just cheese or pepperoni or sausage or banana peppers. Something in that wheelhouse, baby. Russell tweets and says, Wes, I think the Packers game, this team will play a complete game. It's time. It is time, Russell. It's time. And you know what? The Packers played probably their best game of the season last week, but I still think it's a favorable matchup for the Steelers. We'll get into that, obviously, a little bit more tomorrow and on Friday. Me tweets me. Me. It says, West man, I got a quick uh, three-pack of questions for you. Number one, is Kansas City still a Super Bowl favorite if you take Taylor Swift out of their lineup? I was trying to think of a quick Taylor Swift line or lyric or song title there, something that I could 
Well, now me, you've got bad blood. Well, the haters going to hate, 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 hate. I don't know. Uh, yes. As long as they have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they are still a Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl favorite. I don't care about anything else. They got that quarterback. They got that head coach. They're a contender. They're a favorite every single year. Number two, is Revenge of the Sith in your top three Star Wars flicks? Ooh. Dang me, I only got a couple more minutes left here on the show, and we got a few more tweets. I want to get to everybody. You really going to do this to me? You're going to bring up what could be a 20-minute conversation like this to me? So I assume, so when when, when I have these conversations, it's got to be the trilogy movies only, okay? None of the animated stuff, not Solo or Rogue. We're talking trilogy movies here, okay? Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi, and then the three new ones, uh, Force Awakens, right? uh, Last Jedi, and uh, Rise of Skywalker. Top three, I don't know. See, I do like Revenge of the Sith. I'm an original, I'm a, I'm a prequel apologist, okay, because that was my wheel. I was in like fifth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade when those movies came out. And Darth Maul's a great character, and those movies do have the best lightsaber scenes of any of the movies. But, man, it's it's tough to beat the original trilogy. Uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi. Whew. But I do like Revenge of the Sith. I'm partial to Phantom Menace. I do like Revenge of the Sith, though. But, man, top three, it's it's tough to, to knock the original three. Why are you got to do this to me, me? Give me a question. I got to go deep in thought like this when we only got a couple minutes left. Bad me. Bad. Third question is, Little Debbie's Christmas tree cakes are hitting the shelves. Are they better than Swiss rolls? Yes, they are. Steeler Nation 920 tweets and says, what outdated technology can't you give up? Uh, I can't use my phone or computer for notes. I still got to use pen and paper. It's never too early to focus on the Packers. I've been sticking it to the cheeseheads all week. Who ride? Also, what's your favorite hard candy? There's a lot of questions in there, Tyler. Okay, favorite outdated technology I can't give up. I'm with you. I like to write things down as it relates to uh, this show and the WVU show that I do as well. Uh, I like to write an outline. I like to write some notes with my hand, mainly because I think I just remember it better that way and I have to look at my paper less. That is an outdated piece of technology I can't give up. I like vinyl records, but isn't that like a cool hipster thing kind of as well too? So maybe that doesn't count. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't think. Of, I got nothing else other than, than, uh, than, than using pen and paper. Still, I do. I have a push lawnmower still, like straight up, like not self-propelled, none of that. A push lawnmower still. Maybe that's why. One, because my lawn isn't that big. But two, also, I just like the exercise. <laughs> so maybe that's another one. Favorite hard candy? Uh, Jolly Ranchers. Probably Jolly Ranchers. That's another one of those questions that I'll be in the car 10 minutes from now, and I'll be like, oh, I forgot about this. But I'll go with Jolly Ranchers. D have tweets and says, Wes, I need your gut percentage that five years from now, Kenny Pickett is still the Steelers' uh, starting quarterback. 50-50? I mean, what he does this year matters, and particularly next year, right? Certainly. Um because you're getting to that point where you're getting close to having to make a decision about his fifth-year option and all those things. But I think Kenny Pickett will be here through his contract and probably his fifth-year option as well, too. Five years, I guess, would put him out of his rookie contract, so that's at that point. Yeah, 50-50. I mean, he's got to get better. 
He continues to, that's why he's such an enigma right now. He continues to show you moments where he feels like he's got it, but it hasn't happened over the course of 60 minutes, hasn't happened consistently enough. The Steelers did invest a lot in him. He's a first-round pick, 20th overall, right? Not that he's a second overall pick, but he's a first-round top 20 pick. They're going to give him time. I don't think they want to be back on the quarterback market anytime soon. I think they believe they can win with Kenny Pickett as his, you know, his 12 and 8 record is a, is a starter show. So, 5 years is the real kicker. Next year he's going to be here, the year after he's going to be there, be here the year after he's going to be here, I think. The real kicker though is that 5 years because that means they would have to give him another contract at that point. 50-50. We'll see how it plays out. That is the Probably the biggest overarching burning question with the organization, though, isn't it? Jason tweets, what are the odds Anthony McFarlane plays this week? Uh, hi. He's got too soon. He's within his, He's getting close to his 21-day window. Uh, I hope he's ready. I think he could add a nice splash uh, element to the special teams game like we saw in the preseason. Uh, but I, I, I like his chances to play this week, but we'll take a look at the practice report tomorrow on Thursday. will be the big kicker. Uh, CR tweets. Steeler Nation Chicago in the house. What say you on this LeBron James quote where he said, we're like the Steelers right now. The Steelers right now, they have not outgained or any scored any or outgained or outscored any of their opponents this season, yet they've still got a winning record. Yes, LeBron did say that. He referenced the Steelers. Although I know what he was trying to say. He misstated it, though, because the Steelers have outscored their opponents. They're five and three. You cannot beat your opponent in the NFL or in any sport, in fact, without outscoring them. But I get what he's been saying uh, in terms of the yardage, right? The Steelers have been outgained in every game. That's what he was trying to say. They have not been outscored in every game because if they were, they'd be 0-8. Um, hey, shout out to LeBron, knowing about the Steelers. LeBron said he's fully a Browns fan now, though, and doesn't root for the Cowboys anymore like he did when he was growing up. So maybe we maybe we shouldn't be talking about LeBron here on SNR since he's he's, he's thrown his support behind the enemy. But listen, CR, you know this. I know this. We all know this. The Steelers are massive, baby. It don't matter if it's the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey, footy, like as in the European footy, tennis, what, golf, what, rugby. The Steelers are massive everywhere they go, everywhere they go. The Steelers are massive everywhere they go, everywhere they go, everywhere they go. Are we done now? I think we're done now. There's no coming back from that, right? Final refresh. That is the last tweet, I believe, anyways. So that's a good way to close it down with CR with the final word there as well, too. That'll do it for today. Fun show for you guys planned for tomorrow on Thursday. I'm excited. We're going to do three things Thursday, right? Three things that I really like about the Steelers right now. Three areas where they need to improve. Same with the Packers. Three likes, three dislikes. We'll catch up with some friends as well, too. Special guests line up for later, lined up for later on in the week as well. So uh, plenty to get to as we start to turn the page tomorrow to the Green Bay Packers. Thanks to all of you for tweeting, for participating in the show. You know I always appreciate the H-E double hockey sticks. Addy Yins, take care now. Bye-bye then. I'm Wesley Euler, and you've been listening to the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. 
It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.